Well, welcome back to another edition of our Diocesan podcast, Big City Catholics, with our Diocesan Bishop, Bishop Robert Brennan, and myself, Father Christopher Henu. We're grateful that you're able to join us this week, and we begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Asking our Blessed Mother's intercession, we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A very happy St. Patrick's Day to you and to all our listeners. Today, on St. Patrick's Day, both of us will be at St. Patrick's Cathedral, the city, right? That's right. We'll be there for the Mass with Cardinal Dolan, and then we'll be out on the steps to watch the parade go by. I might be walking the parade this year. Ah. Um, my father's from Gal- County Galway, my mother's from County Meath, and they watch to see which county goes up first. If Galway goes up first, we walk with Galway. If Meath goes up early enough, we walk with Meath. So this year, I think County Galway is going up pretty early, so... I'll walk up, I'll wave to you, and then I'll swing back down and probably watch the rest of it from the steps. Very good. I have a confession. I probably won't be there for the whole thing. At some point, I'll slip out because we still have our Lenten pilgrimage. That takes us to Sacred Heart in Bayside. and Very Irish neighborhood. That's right. So I want to get there for some of their prayer time. Um, they have different events going on during the day. Stations of the Cross, it's a Friday some activity with the school, some activity with relics. So I'd like to be able to get there sometime in the early part of the afternoon, which may mean gracefully slipping out not too long after it starts. Okay. I'll enjoy it, though. I'll be there for a bit. We're praying for good weather, as always. Oh, indeed. As always. And, of course, it's already known that I joined with Cardinal Dolan that both the Archdiocese of New York and the Diocese of Brooklyn have given dispensations on Friday because Fridays in Lent remain days of abstinence. We abstain from eating meat. We eat either fish or meatless kinds of meals. This year, falling on a Friday, St. Patrick's Day, it's the patronal feast for New York. We grant the dispensation. We're very grateful. We're very (laughs) grateful. I was at an event recently, an Irish event uh, in Anton's. It's in Springfield Gardens and this catering hall, and I said, you can thank Cardinal Dolan and Bishop Brennan so that we can enjoy our corned beef and cabbage on Friday. Well, you want to know something? I'm edified by the fact that it matters Mm. to many people. That, you know, in fact, there are a lot of people who've said, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. I'm aware of that, but it does matter to a lot of people. The fact of asking for the dispensation means that they really do try to keep the abstinence. They try to keep the practice. And I think that's commendable. And if every once in a while we can get a break, why not? Thank you. you. Often (laughs) enough, the days, sometimes if St. Joseph's Day falls on a Friday or March 25th, the Annunciation, we'll talk about those a little later. Those are solemnities. You don't need a dispensation. The uh, obligation is lifted because the solemnity outweighs the Lenten fast. But... We do try to do it. Now, what we do ask is that we make some other kind of penitential act. Maybe visit the stations while you're in a church that day. Maybe say an extra rosary. Maybe contemplate the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. Perhaps an act of charity, doing some kind of act of extraordinary charity, whether it be physical charity, helping somebody in need, or generosity, almsgiving. But... We try to give some kind of penance to recognize that it is a Friday. But 
Yeah, I I think it's nice that it matters. I, I think so too. I was reading recently on Twitter. I guess it was toward the start of Lent. Mark Wahlberg went on to one of the news outlets and was talking about his penitential practices through Lent. And someone retweeted it and said, Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge. Like it wasn't, they had totally removed the idea of Lent from it, any kind of religious statement from it. It was called Mark Wahlberg's 40-day challenge. Well, it's interesting. We talk about the penitential practices in the church many of which have been now rejected by society, but then now trying to be recaptured by society oh, yeah. under a different name. You know, now you hear the, this great virtue of meatless Mondays. <laughs> Just change the day of the week. That's yeah, all exactly. But that there are certain practices that the church has always asked and provided mm-hmm. that are good for the soul. Yeah. And people who step away from the church seem to look to recover a lot of those spiritual practices. And I always get a kick out of that. Meatless Mondays is one that comes immediately (laughs) to mind. If you were directing someone who's in the spiritual life and you'd say, are are you of the mindset, are you on the camp where uh, Sundays you can do or eat whatever you gave up? That's a good question. I, I take it from two different angles. Technically speaking, Sundays remain Sundays. In fact, if you add up the days of Lent, it comes to more than 40. 40. Sundays are Sundays. We still celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. On a purely practical note, I think it's hard to give something up and then partake in them on Sunday because I'm the kind of personality, if I gave up chocolate and I took chocolate on Sunday, it would be very hard not to take it again on Monday. <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> once, once you break that routine, there's something about Lent that gives you a sense of a routine and a discipline. So for me, it's easier. If you're going to do it, just go straight through it. On the other hand, we talk about giving things up for Lent, but really the church calls us to more than that. It calls us really to deeper prayer. So the three practices of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, or works of mercy, they go together. They fit very, very beautifully together. And during the week, we had a beautiful reflection by St. Peter Chrysologus about those practices. And so he uses the image that one goes, you can't have one without the other. Prayer knocks at the door, fasting obtains mercy. Prayer, fasting, and mercy, these three are in fact one and they give life to each other. Fasting is the soul of prayer. Mercy is the lifeblood of fasting. Let no one try to separate them. I love this. He says, when you fast, see the fasting of others. If you want God to know that you are hungry, know that somebody else is hungry. Mm. If you hope for mercy, show mercy. If you look for kindness, show kindness. If you want to receive, give. If you ask for yourself what you deny to others, you are asking for a mockery. Wow. You know, so that they go together, um, those three points, but they awaken. So when you're hungry, you're more attentive to other people's hungry. So these practices are good, but it's not just a matter of, oh, I'm giving up chocolate for the sake of giving up chocolate. It's to reflect on what really matters in my life and how if I'm denying myself, I think of people who are denied all the time. Sure. Because of poverty or need. Absolutely. To, To develop our and grow in our relationship with Christ, really. Bottom line. Exactly.
It's not the Mark Wahlberg 40-day challenge. <laughs> you know, and Mark Wahlberg, I think, is really trying to do the right thing. It's how he was quoted. Yeah. You know, when I was in, in Ohio, Catholics were 10% of the population in the Diocese of Columbus, but a mighty 10%. And I always tell the story that huge in central Ohio was the culture of the fish fries. Mm. Parishes and Knights of Columbus, they all had fish fries on Friday. And it really was about... So there was a penitential act about it, but actually people enjoyed the fish fries. Absolutely, yeah. However, there was that community building, and it extended far beyond the parish um, parishioners. People, non-Catholics came. The whole community came by. I remember being at one up in the northern part of the diocese. There were a few Amish families <laughs> that came in. <laughs> so it really had an impact on, on society, so much so to that 40 days challenge. The fast food chains had signs outside, limited time special, uh, fish sandwiches on Friday. Sure, yeah. That's one silly but tangible way that the Catholic culture just made its way into the larger culture. Yeah, I saw it in my, my local pizzeria last Friday. They had two big signs on their counter, specials today. A shrimp parmesan deep dish pizza. It didn't sound that delicious, no. but, <laughs> but, and then another shrimp related dish, but that was their special of the day. And may I say, Bishop, if I can, Friday, March 24th, the Co Cathedral of St. Joseph is hosting a fish fry, our first ah, fish fry. Very so good. We have a gentleman who's actually from Ohio, and he's a chef, and he comes to Mass every Sunday, and he said he wanted to bring the Ohio fish fry culture Look to, at that. to the Co Cathedral. Look so at that. We're doing it Friday, the 24th. Very good. Very good. <laughs> if you're well, free, come well, on down. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the practice of prayer, uh, fasting, abstinence during Lent. And yes, so we have that dispensation this Friday. But it is a great day, isn't it, St. Patrick's Day? Oh, every year, you know, as a child, I was never, we were, if I were sick, I would be dragged to school. Like you were never sick enough to miss school. But on St. Patrick's Day, we were allowed to miss school. My parents would go, we went to the city every year with or without a ticket to get into the mass. I remember, you know, back years ago, the Mass at St. Patrick, it still is very crowded, but it was standing room only years ago. I mean, it's still very crowded. My parents plan on going. We plan on marching. It's just a great way to celebrate our Irish heritage. And it's the longest parade. I mean, it's one of the longest running parades. It started before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Wow. It's a pretty impressive nonstop, even during covid they did, if you remember, they did like a ceremonial parade down the That's Fighting right. 69th walk down Fifth Avenue. So it's great to participate in that. It is. Even, you know, all the different customs. I, and I always say, again, a little bit of a break in the time of Lent. We don't go overboard, but we just a little bit of something lighter. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, St. Patrick is a very important saint, a great missionary, uh, a great model for us in today's world you know so patrick's circumstances were unique he was kidnapped as a young man you know probably even as a teen forced into labor spent a lot of time alone and in that time maybe out of boredom started to pray but over time that prayer led him to a deeper relationship with god when he found his freedom, and there are different stories about sure. him finding his freedom, yeah. he makes his way back home and then longs for the Irish people. 
He longs to bring them the gospel, and he goes back. I mean, when you think about it, what a risk that he took, and then he became a missionary bishop. And I think that's a great model for what we need in the world today. Absolutely, yeah. The Holy Spirit works in interesting ways. I kind of go back to my own lived experiences. My father always wanted a son named Patrick. He had three opportunities. He didn't name any one of us Patrick. So my confirmation saint, I chose Patrick. I just chose it because I'm Irish, because my father liked the name. I recognize, I think I lean on the intercessory support of St. Patrick, especially in my assignment now in downtown Brooklyn. It's very much an evangelistic assignment. So the Holy Spirit works in funny ways. Very similar to me. My grandfather was Patrick, and he died when I was very, very young. I chose St. Patrick as my confirmation saint. Part of it was the Irish, part of it was my grandfather. But as I got older, I too, especially as a priest and now as a bishop, I look to him as as a real model and, and intercessor. We have a chance maybe next week to talk about it, and I hope we'll talk about it after the fact. But what an honor it is for you, I'm sure, to be named the Grand Marshal of the Lindenhurst St. Patrick Parade on March 25th. On March 25th, we have the Lindenhurst St. Patrick's Day Parade. I'll offer Mass in my home parish of Our Lady Perpetual Help in the morning. And then we have the parade kicking off in Lindenhurst along Lowood Avenue, the major thoroughfare. It's part of a real revival uh, village life in Lindenhurst. Over the last couple of years, the village has worked hard build up business and to build up a community spirit. And I'm kind of proud of that. I'm proud of what they're doing. I am far removed from it all. Sure. But when I watch and look back and see, I'm very proud. And I'm honored that they would reach out to me, that they would see a leader in the Catholic Church as something worthy of recognizing. So it's yeah. not about me, but that they would see a leader from the town in the Catholic Church is something that's important yeah. to them. So that says more about them than it does about me, and I'm just glad to be with them that day. I think it's a, it is a great honor. Your parents hopefully will be there, be able, and your family will be able to share in that in that day with you. Do you get to like ride in like a Corvette convertible or something, or do you walk down? I mean, what, I, what I, if I have my uh, <laughs> druthers, I think I'll, I'll I'll walk. Actually, we had a dinner to kick off the celebration just about a week or so ago. And my family was able to be there, most of my family. I was glad for that. They gave me the, the sash. That's right. The Grand Marshal sash. But they also gave me... A baton he, or something? He, yes, he called it a blackthorn stick. I look at it, we, we would call it a shillelagh. I'll certainly use the one they gave me. I'm honored by it, appreciate it. But actually, we have my great-grandfather's shillelagh. He came from Belfast over 100 years ago. Wow. And so we have his shillelagh from... From Belfast. From you can movie. trade off. Walk a few blocks with one and you see the other. So I don't want to be ungrateful. Yeah. I want to recognize that they gave it. But maybe another member of the family can use my great-grandfather's sure, shillelagh. Sure. But it is, we celebrate our Irish heritage. We celebrate our families. And we celebrate our families making their way here in the New York area over the generations. So your parents directly came from yes, Ireland. Yeah. My grandfather... And then my mother's grandparents came from Ireland. Part of my family is Czech, so my father's mother, her family would be Czech, and her, uh, her grandparents would have been born in Bohemia at the time. Sure. 
than my father's father, the Brennan side. That's the, uh, from actually coal mining territory in Pennsylvania, generations. So they were here in the 1850 census. So they wow. came sometime in the 1840s during, the, I guess, the time of the hunger. Yeah, sure, sure. Makes sense. And, and many did. Many did come to Pennsylvania to those coal mining towns. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So my grandfather, my, my paternal grandfather, he came out from Ireland, settled in, in Pennsylvania for some years, and then actually was one of the few, in my estimation, that returned back to Ireland. So he didn't make America a home for himself. He made some money to support the family and went back to Ireland. See, my grandfather, my, my mother's father, was quite the opposite. He came by ship yeah. in the 1920s. It was a difficult crossing, something he didn't talk about very much, and did not have any intention ever to return. So he did go back in the 1960s. He saw his father, his father died shortly after, and then he died shortly after that. So I was glad he made that trip. I think we could maybe even say a word of those stories. I, I remember bringing my parents when I was at Holy Child Jesus to a Spanish-speaking Mass, you know. The story was actually, it was the, the Day of the Three Kings, the feast day. And I told the, the story of just the modern of immigration and coming from your home country to a new land, bringing one's faith with you. And yeah, I understand I would never equate, you know, my parents... When they came to America, they spoke English. They, you know, there's differences, certainly. But the story of the, of the immigrant is always pretty much equal. It's all about finding new land, trusting in God, bringing one's faith with them to the new land. You know, how important all of those, those commonalities. Granted, again, there were some certain differences and certain aspects of that process that my parents didn't have to worry about right. learning a new language or something. Maybe they had to remove a bit of their accent or something, but that's nothing in comparison. But over in prior generations, they did experience a certain amount of prejudice yeah. and struggle and took the very difficult jobs. Sometimes people took very difficult jobs. Again, we talk about the coal miners of Pennsylvania. That was not an easy life. Sure. And they came so that future generations might have opportunities. But the, uh, it's funny getting more involved in the Spanish-speaking world and in the cultural events. A lot of the events that I attend, again, difference in language, but they remind me of things I did as a child mm -hmm. in the Irish world. You know, the, the, the parties, uh, the, the music, the, yeah. the dance, yeah. uh, the cultural realities. It's, it's, a lot of that comes back as I walk with um, the Hispanic culture or the different countries and lives out some of those customs today. It's really um, inspiring. I was uh, assigned to a parish in Brooklyn with, in Sunset Park. I uh, worked with Father Kevin Sweeney, now Bishop Kevin Sweeney, and we were invited to a Mexican family's wedding reception, and it was in the basement of an apartment building, a very low ceiling. So for me, I'm six foot four, so it was like really difficult for me. But as we sat down to eat like the buffet meal, Father Kevin said, this is what the Irish did yeah. 50 years ago. Exactly. You know, we, they sat in these basement apartments, you know, of apartment buildings celebrating, you know, the weddings in Kelly's and, the, you know, the, the <laughs> <laughs> New York was Irish. <laughs> New York was Irish. You know, what it, for me, that's where it really hit home. And a lot of it was around music. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of it was around music, just like today. Yeah. In the different groups. Now, so that speaks to us because of our heritage. But I, like I said, it's, it's, it's significant for us as church because he was a missionary bishop. But of course, on Monday, we're going to celebrate a day late, 
but we're going to celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph. That's right. And so Joseph is usually March 19th. March 19th falls on a Sunday this year. So he gets bumped and we'll celebrate his day on Monday, March 20th. And that's a solemnity in the church. That's right. Another day in which we, we sing the Gloria, we sing an Alleluia, right? There's so, a, exactly. It's a high holy day. It's an important feast in, in, our, in our faith. Why? Because he's the foster father of Jesus. And Joseph has a few, on the liturgical calendar, a few feast days. Now Joseph the worker. But this is the major one. This is, uh, this marks St. Joseph. St. Joseph is patron of the Universal Church. We had the year of St. Joseph just before I came. In fact, one of the first things I did here was I arrived on November 30th, and I had the honor of closing the year of Joseph um, at events in the diocese. Yeah, of course, at the diocese of Brooklyn, we have three churches uh, under his... One of them is the Co-Cathedral. The Feast of St. Joseph is important for us. It means something for us. Absolutely. And we're going to have an evening prayer and holy hour in the evening of Monday. And and then we've ordered 150 St. Joseph pastries. I know that's not on the diet, but again, this is a solemnity in Lent, so it's a day of, of right. feasting. You don't need, you don't need a uh, dispensation to have pastries. That's right. <laughs> so we're... Uh, we're excited to uh, to celebrate it, and I hope that the churches, you know, and many more continue to uh, to do so and celebrate his this great solemnity. And then uh, at the end of the week, another solemnity on the feast of the Annunciations. So the twenty fifth of March, nine months before the celebration of Christmas, we celebrate the Annunciation when Angel Gabriel came to Mary and asked her to be part of God's great plan. And Mary said, let it be it done to me according to his will. That's a remarkable moment. That is the moment when God took on human flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mother. You know, it's something we've kind of gotten used to, but that's remarkable to say that God took on human flesh. Didn't, he didn't just make an appearance. He didn't pretend to be human. He really and truly, human person, who, with all the pains and the aches and the struggles that we face, and yet fully divine. And it's not the easiest thing to explain, but certainly bedrock of our Christian faith. Yeah. What none of the other religions claim that, you know, we have a personal relationship with a fully human and fully divine God. And what a blessing that is. I know we'll have a chance perhaps to talk more about that solemnity in next week's podcast. But Bishop, uh, until then, a very blessed St. Patrick's Day and uh, and St. Joseph's Day to you and to all of our listeners. In honor of St. Patrick, why don't we offer the Irish blessing? Sure. May the road rise to greet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. May the rains fall soft upon your field. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hands. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week. Take care. Amen.